Ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I am here with my co-host. First, we have the man who stands so hard for Avar Chris that he has legally changed his name to Elzar Man. It's... Oh, no. Hey, it's Drew. How are you today, Brandon? I am fantastic. I'm very excited uh, for this episode, and we cannot forget that we also have our poll star here, the Stellan Geos of podcasting. It's... Oh, no. It's Devor, and that's a rather ominous comparison. <laughs> I mean, I had to pick somebody, and I had already done the Elzar Man, Avar Chris. You mm-hmm. kind of got stuck with Stellan Geos. I'm sorry. It's okay. This episode is going to be a lot of fun. Um, thank you to everybody who has decided to join us for this episode. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, we are doing a draft again. We, we've done one of these before, and we had a lot of fun, so we're doing it again, and we are going to be drafting four authors that we would want to write the entirety of canon going forward. So um, I have a feeling it's going to get a little contentious here in the draft room, but we'll get to that in just a <laughs> little bit. If you're not already following us on all of the socials, make sure you do that at, at Clashing Sabers on everything. Make sure you're part of our Facebook group, Star Wars Clashing Sabers. And of course, make sure you are subscribed right here so you get all of our shows we're not going to be covering Bad Batch show to show on uh, this here podcast. Uh, I'm sure there will be some talk about it over on Sith Talk, uh, but we are going to wait and uh, we'll have our, of course, best and butts episode at the end of season three and the end of the series. But Devor, in, in like a sentence, just so the audience kind of knows uh, where you are at with it, because you and I are the only ones on this podcast watching Bad Batch because some people have no souls. Tell us, <laughs> tell us what you think about Bad Batch uh, after the first three episodes. I thought they were really good. I'm really excited. I mean, I was excited going into the season and continue to be as excited, if not more. I think it started out really strong. I think I, I'm glad that they dropped the three episodes together. As much as I don't like the multi-episode drops... I think it really worked for this much in the same way like with the three episode drop of Andor because it's all just one arc. So that is kind of nice that we didn't stop, you know, one episode in or even two episodes in and we kind of got to see that first act of the season through its conclusion. But yeah, I thought it was really strong. The first episode, I think, is a really good season opener, a really good kind of slow burn, just character focus. I thought that was good. I thought the second one gave us a good little, like, adventure, you know, something in a much more kind of classic Bad Batch style. And then the third episode, the kind of culmination of this first little arc was just really good, really tense, like, kept you just waiting to see what was going to happen next. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I have to completely agree with everything that you said. The first episode is, uh, even on rewatch, when you know what's going to happen, is tense. Um, The story works really well. And I I like how they uh, are setting things up for for the rest of the season with the pursuit that they're going to be on, with uh, what we found out about Omega at the end of the third episode, um, all of those things. Uh, I still love Dr. Hemlock as a villain, 
um, the appearance of one Sheev Palpatine and um, some of the mentions we got surrounding things that he is working on. I'm trying to say as non-spoiler as possible on here. Um, it's all, all really, really good. So I'm looking forward to to the rest of the season. And, and that's what I've been Star Warsing a lot lately. Drew, since you're not watching Bad Batch, what have you been Star Warsing mm-hmm. lately? Well, I've actually been filling in some of the blind spots in the the Legends area of the world. I, I finished reading, I think we talked about this last time, we finished reading uh, The Courtship of Princess Leia, which was way better than I thought it was going to be. Um, not one to sleep on. Uh, I had I picked up a copy of the Essential Legends edition of that and really, really enjoyed it. So the next book, Brandon, you'll appreciate this, the next book I got was Rogue Planet. I don't know oh. if anybody in the world has read this one. Uh, yeah, um, I have. I have. Have you? I've never read it, and uh, I'm a little terrified of it, but I'm going to try it because I've never read it, and it's kind of written, right in that vein of, of, of weird Star Wars books, so I'm, I'm all about that stuff. I think I read it as a teenager. Like It was one of the few Legends books that I actually read. I think it was like available at my public library or something. Mm-hmm. Um, there was probably a reason that it was still available at my public library. <laughs> so we'll just leave it has, that. It's at only that. been checked out twice in the last 25 years <laughs> yeah. or so. Yeah. yeah this was, I had uh, found a, a hardcover copy online for like a dollar or two. And I was like, well, this is hard to turn down. So yeah. it, it, it's supposed to tie into the new Jedi Order series, which I loved and have all of them. But I've never read this one. So we're going to we're going to give it a shot and we'll see. Uh, I am rereading Resistance Reborn right now, um, and oh my, enjoying it quite oh, a bit. Oh, that's a really good book. I forgot how much I I enjoyed it. Um, I've only read it the one time. I went to the library; it was available, and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna gonna do this, and hmm. it it's enjoyable, man. It's just I, I feel like it's uh, I'm about. 50 pages in, I think. I don't really remember a lot of what happens uh, in the book. You know, I, I remember the basic premise of them rebuilding the Resistance and stuff like that. But it's it feels like fun Star Wars, which when you're contrasting that with the, the darkness of how Bad Batch uh, started is a really good uh, palate cleanser and balance to, to be reading each evening. So I'm enjoying nice. that quite a bit. Um, trying to revisit some of the canon books that I haven't gotten around to um, a second time because that that's really when I feel like I really start to understand what they were going for, get good perspective on it, and really nail it into to memory there. So enjoying that quite a bit. So that kind of leads right into what we are, are going to be talking about tonight, which is our author draft. Um, we are, this is our second draft that we're doing. Last time, um, if you didn't listen, we drafted people to go on a heist, a team to go on a heist, and Drew, oh, yeah. Drew picked like oh, an that entire was really military force. Um, well, it was... Rules were meant to be broken. It got a little out of hand, as things tend to do on this here show, but it was a lot of fun. So we thought we would bring it back. And being that we're all reading uh, Star Wars right now, we're all, um, you know, huge Star Wars book fans. Drew and Devore, if you haven't listened, we're on This Is Lit talking about the uh, Aftermath series. So make sure you go check that out <laughs> if you haven't listened already. But like Star Wars books are a big part of each of our fandoms. And so we thought it would be fun to think about with the plethora of authors that we have, who would be four authors we would want to write the entirety of canon. And this doesn't necessarily have to be like our top list. Like I know 
some of my personal favorites are down on the list of, of potential draft picks just because we're all going to have different standards and expectations of, of what we um, think that means in terms of, of who should take the lead in canon. So, DeVore, I'm going to throw it to you. Did you have any standards or expectations or rules that you put on um, kind of how you built your draft room? Yeah, a little bit. So I went into making my list with a couple kind of considerations in mind. Uh, one of them was that I really wanted to go with like folks that I had a particular attachment to based on you know, the stories that they have told so far. So I definitely wanted to go with that. I mean, of course, you know, as we talk about, like, there's a lot of great authors who've written Star Wars. There's a lot of you know, great Star Wars books out there, but I really want to think about like, okay, like I, I want to go with the ones that like have really resonated with me for one reason or another, or because they wrote this or that particular book. So I kind of thought in, in that dimension, that was one. And then another thing that I thought about was I wanted to have a, a set of authors such that they represented the suite of different types of stories that we get. So like, in, in, you know, Star Wars books delve into like a lot of different like types of stories and kind of genres of stories. And so I wanted to have that sort of genre diversity in there. And I also wanted to have, uh, I don't know how you would label this, maybe story diversity, i.e. I wanted to authors who run the gamut of adult to YA to middle grade. Because oh, all of those, like all of those, are part of the tapestry of Star Wars canon. I didn't want to think exclusively in terms of adult books, because the YA books really provide essential storytelling. The middle grade, which I think we do not talk or credit enough, also provide important stories. So I did want to think about like based on you know their their to date bibliography and also maybe books that we know they're going to be writing. Do I have authors who kind of cover that gamut? I like that. Uh, that's kind of similar to to mine um, in terms of trying to pick people to handle the adult YA um, and middle grade novels. Like, I wanted people who had either told those kinds of stories or shown potential that they were adaptable across different types of stories, um, which normally to me means that you can adapt across different types of mediums. I did put an emphasis on the novels. Um, I didn't really consider um, the, the comics as part of it because I feel like if you can write a novel, um, you could probably write a comic. That's not a knock on comics. I just think the skills are a little more transferable one way than necessarily the other way because novels are more long form. You have to describe in greater detail, whereas in a comic you can kind of um, depend on the artist to cover maybe some um, gaps that you might have. Um, I looked at the overall fandom reaction to the books, my personal reactions to the books. Uh, I looked at the author's strengths and weaknesses. I tried to um, really be critical of what, they would with the gaps that they would have that would cause um, any hurt to the canon. So I kind of balanced that out with other people, and then I just kind of considered the overall health of the canon going forward. Um, that means can we have individual uh, one-off stories, but also could we have another series like the High Republic uh, if we were to have only these four authors? You know, all of those things. So that was kind of my standards. Drew, what about for you? What kind of rules did you set for yourself? 
I kind of started with the way yours ended up. I wanted to look at the current status of Canon, kind of like what have we gotten so far in the past 10, 12, 15 years, and what has worked well and what has not, starting with that. So kind of um, do do we find more success in uh, singular one-off stories? Do we find more success in long-form storytelling? Do, we, do people work better as groups or are they better off as individuals? Um, and then trying to take Star Wars books as a whole, going back, as far as I could to try and figure out, okay, who are the authors that are available? Who stands out as like, what are the, you know, the top works and, and whether the top works that the authors produce, which ones are the ones that instantly go, Oh yeah, that I would reread that one today. Cause I think readability is probably going to be the number one criteria to make sure things work. Is, is this entertaining? Is this good? Um, another thing I wanted to look at is whether or not the, the authors could, had kind of a message that they wanted to tell through their stories. You know, certain Star Wars books are plot is plot, and that's great. Other ones are trying to do something a little bit under the surface. Uh, we'll get to one of those in, in a little bit, I'm sure, that no one's going to pick. Um, I wanted to make sure I had people that worked well as a team versus working well as an individuals to figure out whether or not... Because again, if we're picking people to write these stories... The way I thought about it in my head is basically these people are enslaved to this particular endeavor for the rest of their lives, kind of like they, you know being stuck on Davy Jones' locker. Um, if these guys are going to be chained to their computers and writing out Star Wars books, who do I want to hear the most from? Who's got a good track record? Who has started off strong? Who needs to prove themselves? Um, and I also wanted to consider what era we'd be writing for. You know, looking at I was kind of breaking down the entire entire Star Wars timeline into a number of categories to figure out where there's possibility for storytelling versus what's already been done and what's full. Uh, for example, I would argue that the era of the rise of the Empire and the Rebellion era is kind of full of stories already. I think the the uh, the fall of the Republic is also pretty full of stories already. Um, when we compare it to things, we have like nothing left in the old Republic canon anymore. We have nothing after the rise of Skywalker. There's literally no stories told after that point yet, um, even though we've been out there for about four or five years now. So um, looking at what opportunities there were for people to really go in and tell new stories in new eras, who would I want to entrust with that kind of responsibility? So looking back at what's been done, um, the ones that stood out to me and who I think would uh, be a good set of team. The other thing I try to do is, is, is write down as many authors as I could find. And I was doing great until I came across the From a Certain Point of View books. Between the three books from the uh, From a Certain Point of View series, do you guys know how many different authors there are? All right. So there's 120 stories. <laughs> I knew somebody would math this out ahead of me. Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Up. I'm gonna go with 93. Okay, I'm gonna close. say 110. Wow, closer. There's 106 individual authors across wow. those three books. Um, a lot of them have also done work in the new canon. Not a whole lot of them have come from the Legends world, but that's okay. Um, there are some crossovers, but not a ton. But it was really interesting going one by one and realizing who's actually contributed to these stories and who hasn't. Um, so there, there are definitely some surprising names that at least the reason I went through that exercise was to figure out, okay, if we're going to pull together the best authors we possibly can, we got to know who's out there. 
And so that's why I started that. And I started identifying all the authors from the current canon. There's about mm, 35, 34 different author names for canon novels. But I, I kind of excluded the the uh, YA and middle grade novels, kind of because I wasn't thinking about them, honestly. I was only looking at what we would consider the adult level novels. Well, you don't really keep up with most of the YA or middle grade novels, do you? Like, I know you've Not read particularly. Queens and stuff. Yeah, that's really, you know, I've read The Leia, Princess of Alderaan. I've read Lost Stars. Um, I have a copy of Rebel Rising. I have not read it yet. Oh, I've read one. the middle grades for the High Republic, but I don't really know that I really do much more outside of those. And okay. it's, you know, like nothing, no, no slight against them. It's just the other ones are more my style. Yeah, and everybody, and that's what's going to be interesting to see in the authors that we pick is everybody has kind of their their lane of things that they like and consider, you know, like... I enjoy like all three uh, levels. Devore listens to audiobooks more than either of us. You stick mostly with the um, adult novels. So it's like it creates a different perspective on mm-hmm. the canon and what works and what doesn't. Um, just taking it in in different ways, taking in different levels. You know, like Drew, you have a much bigger um, understanding of legends than I do. So like all of those things um, kind of shape how we view what a Star Wars book should be. So I'm really excited to do this. So I have a randomizer on here that's got our names on it. It's a little wheel. I'm going to spin to decide the order that we go in. Um, so it says Brandon, Brandon, and Brandon. So we're going to go ahead and spin this. <laughs> turn, turn, turn. Oh, oh, oh. I'm not going to lie, guys. It actually did land on Brandon. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Can we get a judge over here? <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> um, so I guess I get Fine. to go first. Okay. And we're, I, we're picking a total of four. And let's just make sure we go through the rules. So everybody gets four, but we go one at four. a time. Yep. And when you pick a name, that excludes it from opportunity for anybody else to get them, right? Correct. Correct. You cannot repeat. All right. So I'm going to keep track of things on my side. Now I'm, I have a spreadsheet open. I uh, I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to get this pick in. Um, with the number one pick in the draft, I am picking the number one Star Wars author, in my opinion, uh, to date, Miss Claudia Gray. I knew it. I knew it. No one is surprised by that. Yeah, not I at didn't all. Even, I didn't even put her on my list because I knew Same. Brandon was going to take her. I, guys, I was so nervous that somebody else was going to take Like, you look at the books that she has. Lost Stars, Bloodline, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, Master and Apprentice. Like, all of those are in my top 10 Star Wars books. Um, so... I said that her strengths are the one-off books um, and connecting with other parts of the canon, particularly to enhance it. Um, for example, you know, Master and Apprentice adds a lot to Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan's relationship, but also a lot about like why Qui-Gon would be invested in uh, a slave kid on Tatooine that he randomly meets, um, even beyond the Force powers. You know, Lost Stars is just a masterpiece in storytelling. Bloodline is a, a great expose on, on what the New Republic was like and, and kind of where the cracks were that the First Order could expose. All of those things she does really, really well. I do think... Um, and, and so this is a gap I'm going to have to make up over the rest of my, my picks, but I do think that she struggles, um, or I shouldn't say struggles. Her weaker entries are her high Republic books. Um, that is a relative term. Um, they're good, but they're not her best, nor are they the high Republic's best. So I worry about her if she was, um, 
solely responsible for writing a longer series. Uh, I don't know if that's something that would have the same impact. Um, if she was writing more of the High Republic books, maybe I'd have a better gauge on that. But that's something I have to consider as I continue drafting. But number one draft pick overall, surprising apparently nobody, Miss Claudia Gray. Yeah, I think that was the first thing that jumped out. I was like, oh, Brandon's going to steal this one first. So we're, we're just yeah, going to yeah. worry about it. We're going to let this one go. It's totally fine. I appreciate you guys being so emotionally supportive here because I would have been distraught had I not gotten her. <laughs> All right. The wheel is spinning. Drew or DeVore? And it picks DeVore. DeVore, you're up next. Who is your number one pick? All right. My number one pick and number two overall in the draft is going to be Tessa Gratton. Oh, dang, Nebit. Come on. <laughs> of the of the Star Wars authors who've kind of risen to prominence in the recent, like in the last couple of years. So really, like, let's say if we just kind of section off like start of High Republic onward as like our current like, like moment of Star Wars books. I don't think there's been any Star Wars author that I've gotten as excited about as Tessa Gratton. Uh, she's had some great entries so far with, you know, of course, Path of Deceit and uh, Closed Fist Has No Claws, the short story mm -hmm. Tales of Light and Life, and even Quest for Planet X to bring up the middle grade. I think that's a really good middle grade book. So she's someone who I'm just like super, super pumped when her name comes up. I mean, like Temptation of the Force, like give it to me right now. Like, so in, in terms of like looking forward, the Star Wars authors that I'm like, of the ones that I'm really excited about, if I see their name attached to a project, like I can't wait to get my hands on that. It, she's at the top of the list for me right now. So I'm taking Tessa Gratton. I already hate this exercise. <laughs> <laughs> it's already not fair. I, I'm honestly, I'm surprised by that pick. Um, not because anything that you said about her as an author is wrong, but just because um, I feel like the first round pick, pick is like your foundation and we don't have a lot of stuff from her in the canon um compared to some of the other authors that we have so i knew you were you mentioned you were taking somebody uh that would be a little bit unexpected that definitely was a little bit unexpected does it worry you at all that she has only written so far for the high republic like would that be a concern in terms of is her is she going to be able to do a one-off style book that star wars likes to do she technically is not. So she has written, she wrote a short story in, I never, the, the names always jump, Tales of Jedi and Sith, Stories mm, of Jedi and Sith. Yeah, I, Tales always of the, the blank no, of blank and blank, I yeah. never know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, she, 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 did, she did a Palpatine POV story. So she has technically a credit that is not High Republic. I mean, you do bring up that point. It is a disproportionate part of what she's written for Star Wars so far. I think that's a valid point. But... It's also something that I'm not conserved just because I've seen her, you know, she's really demonstrated her writing chops. So I'm not too worried if you plop her in the prequels, the OT, any other period. Mm -hmm. I, I feel OK about that. Yeah. A, and coming in just off the, the strength of Path of Deceit and Closed Fist Has No Claws alone are just groundbreaking entries into the High Republic series. Like Correct. It, Kicking off phase two with Path of Deceit is amazing. And I had wondered, uh, going back and forth between the two authors who had contributed, um, Tessa Gratton and is Justina Ireland, I think, is the other one, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's just a, a, a shocking story. Like, 
you, you think the book is one thing up until like the last 15 pages and then it just completely pulls the rug out from under you like no this is not exactly what the story you think it's going to be everything is different and everything you thought was wrong and we did this on purpose ha 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 got you again like that's really amazing and if we could get that for the rest of time going forward that would totally be all right with me I don't think it's a thing that should be overlooked either that she is writing the second entry in the adult novels of phase three um, because it's going to be so pivotal to what happens. Yeah. You know, like the third book I feel like is going to be a lot of action adventure and wrapping up the story, but really the emotional weight um, is going to come from that book. So it's like, there's a point in each of the, eras or excuse me of the phases that i look at and i'm like this book needed to land or everything falls apart you look at uh, light of the jedi for for phase one had to land or the whole endeavor is is off to a bad start and you lose people invested in you know this thing we've been looking forward to in project luminous and charles will hit it out of the park you look at in phase two i think it's also the first entry which just happened to be a ya this time because you are trying to again get people invested in this galaxy and a time period when that was different from what we were used to with the high republic when the high republic was at you know the highest of heights in terms of, of reaction to it and so you put that weight on justina ireland who had, had been proven but also tessa gratton who hadn't yet and i don't think that they would have done that lightly it's kind of like how um you know george mann's first like real major entry into the canon is battle of Jeddah. it's like you have to have a level of trust in that pick whether they have the track record or not and uh I mean, both people knocked it completely out of the park. And, and yeah, Tessa Gratton's a good pick. So, yep. all right, Drew, since you cannot pick Tessa Gratton, who oh, are you taking man. as your number one pick? Well, it's a good thing that Charles Soule is still available on the board because, ladies and gentlemen, there is no Star Wars going forward without Light of the Jedi. Um, it is definitively and quantitatively and qualitatively the best of the Star Wars books in the canon, uh, and so we have to go with him. Um, the way I wanted to lay on that, if I couldn't get Tessa Gratton, who I think... Uh, what Tessa, what Brandon brings over Charles Soul is only the sheer shock value of of Path of Deceit and uh, Closest Has No Claws. Like the way in which we were roped in with Marta Rowe and then completely changed around in that character is is amazing. But we don't have any of that if we don't have Light of the Jedi. We don't have Avar Chris without him. Uh, you don't have Elzar Man or Stellan Geos. You don't have Starlight Beacon. You don't have anything. You and. I've been trying to think about like long form series and whether or not the first entry or the last entry is the most important one. And I'm kind of leaning towards the first entry is the more important one. You, know, you think about like Lord of the Rings or the Harry Potter series or even the original star Wars movies as important as the third ones are, or the last ones are in order to wrap up a story. None of that story goes anywhere. And no one cares if the first one is bad, right? It has to be able to, grip the audience in such a way that they're willing to invest a, a, their time kind of without knowing how much of it they're committing going forward. Like if Light of the Jedi doesn't work, no one cares about the rest of the higher public, whether it's a three book series or a three year project, like it's, you know, a massive multi-year long project as the way it's shaping out to be, which is great. So there's nothing else you can really say about it. It doesn't work if, if somebody else writes this. Um, I think he's probably the best author of the High Republic team. I think his work is the ones I usually enjoy the most. 
while there are other ones that are excellent and great, and I would say just as much fun, I think he's got a style and a structure to his writing that is so key to have a solid foundation in order for the rest of the books to sail off in their different directions with their different characters and tell their own stories. But he creates that hub from which they can all launch off of. And I, and I think that's going to be the most important thing when we're issuing kind of this new team of, of uh, canon authors going forward. I want him to be part of that brain, brain trust to make sure it works. That's a really solid pick. Um, he was definitely on my list. I think he is the best like prose author that we've gotten so far in the high Republic. Um, I, again, like it had to be very intentional who you pick to go first. You have yeah. to pick yeah. somebody who is a sure bet. And it, I don't think it should be overlooked either that like he hasn't written a novel, like a, a high Republic full novel since then. Like that's his entry in and then other people have picked mm-hmm. it up, you know, like, it's so they obviously had faith in these other people, but you needed somebody who was a guarantee. And I think after what he did with the Vader comic, I think it was the 2017 run when you have him telling the story of Vader trying to uh, bring Padme back to life. Like that is not, that's something that can be extremely campy in a bad way um, and could have detracted from Vader's character quite a bit. Instead, it made it more compelling. Um, And, and I think that's what he does. Like his, his greatest strength, even outside of, you know, just the way that he writes is his ability to build characters that are dynamic and that you care about on multiple levels, whether they are hero or villain, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Martian yeah. Rowe, yeah. it could have landed flat, you know, villains are not easy to write. It could have been like, okay, well, here's another bad guy. Instead, we've got somebody who you're always questioning. You never know where he is at. You're not sure is he crazy or is this all calculated? And those are not easy things to land. So um, as far as like a, a first pick, an overall pick, just fantastic. I think it's great that for all each of our first picks, we've got somebody who's deeply entrenched in the higher public. Like that says a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. All right. So I guess that brings it back That's to me you. and my number two pick. And, Oh, See if man. we zig where we're going to zag. No, I'm going to stay right in my lane. I'm taking Delilah S. Dawson. Yep, that was the next yeah. one I thought you would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was it. That was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I uh, I have a brand and I stick to it. But maybe uh, if we didn't have Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade, she might not be my number two pick. I might have risked a little bit more. Uh, Phasma and Black Spire are fantastic books. Um, but... I've read some of her stuff outside of Star Wars too, and it's some of my favorite um, works that I've ever read. Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade is my favorite book of all time, and I just think she does a great job of doing the opposite of what Claudia Gray does. Claudia Gray tells really hopeful, bright Star Wars stories. Uh, Delilah S. Dawson is a much darker storyteller, um, but she creates these uh, amazing female leads. She has an amazing strength of, of creating new characters and building off of these already established characters who maybe don't have a ton of background. Um, Iscat and Phasma were both that. Uh, they didn't have a ton of background, but they weren't her characters that she created. But you can very much say they are her characters now because, I mean, Phasma obviously was, was cut short in the movies. But if you get the book, 
uh, if you haven't read Phasma, just go read it. It completely changes the dynamic yeah. of, of how you it's view really her um, as a threat. Go back and, and try that one again. It's it's really, really good. I do think I her, her weakness is that she hasn't written in a series uh, yet, like not even a trilogy. Um, and she does lean into the violence, um, and that might not be for everyone. And then there are some moments when she puts in these like puns and eye rolling callbacks to stuff from the movies that would have to be tempered a little bit um, if she was one of four. But <laughs> like anything dark side you need to do, anything with a bad guy you need to do, um, anything with a, I'll say less than fully hopeful story. Um, not that her stories end without hope, but you know, they are the darker side of Star Wars. Uh, I think you, you would be tagging her to do it. And with stuff like the Acolyte coming out and with um, going post uh, Rise of Skywalker and having to have some other threat other than the Sith, I think you've got somebody right here who can pick up any of these characters that we're going to see in these darker stories that we're going to get and really just make them dynamic and compelling and uh, worth sitting down and spending hours reading. So Delilah S. Dawson, my number two pick. Nice. Solid. Approved. All right. Devor, that leads to you and your number two. And I now feel completely uncomfortable about any of the picks you're going to make. So go ahead. Yeah, I'm a little lost. I can't wait to see this. All right. My number two pick. I, I'm going to go with a fairly me pick or what I would consider a fairly me pick. My number two draft is James Luceno. Um, Interesting. I, I, I know the knock on James Luceno and the James Luceno Star Wars books, right? People talk about <laughs> they're dense, they're plotting. I don't care. They're very good entries. I think what is, what, is, what is great about his books and I think the value add that he has for Star Wars storytelling is that he is good if you want that kind of granular, slow burn story, which you sometimes need. You know, if you need 20 years on Death Star R&D, James Luceno's your guy. He'll tell you that story. You know, so I think that's what's great about him and what I like about his books. Again, like the thing that I like about his books is the thing that a lot of people don't like about his books. You know, Plagueis, <laughs> for example, it's it's one of the standout books. But like the thing that's always said about Plagueis is it's also a lot of book. And that is true. But again, I think that's I, I think if you're if you're picking the four and you're talking about different styles and different stories that you need in Star Wars, it's you know, it's a big galaxy. So like a lot is happening. So sometimes you need those stories that are like they're going to spend their time really fleshing out this particular slice, whether it is, you know, again, the Death Star and how it came to be, or it's about the Sith and their machinations or something like you, you sometimes need that, like, like that, 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 that story that's going to take its time and really delve in and give you all that, like all, all that meat, like to chew on. So for that reason, I'm going with James Luceno. Who are these people who do not like the Plagueis novel? Find them for me. So we can have a conversation. That book is amazing. The, the, those people exist. There was, there was somebody on the Facebook page. Yeah. Maybe like a month oh. or two ago or something like that. Nah, people I'm, sometimes struggle with Plagueis, even when they recognize that it's like a good book, that it's, it's a lot. <laughs> a lot I mean, happens. It's a lot, but you know. 
Yeah, I don't Tarkin think reading a really James good. Luceno book is like yeah. relaxing because you have to be no. paying attention all the time. <laughs> yeah, especially, uh, you know, uh, Drew just mentioned, especially Tarkin. Like if mm-hmm. you, yes. <laughs> you will lose the plot if you are not yeah. paying attention. <laughs> you do have to want to read that one. <laughs> it's good. I really enjoy that book. This is our first entry from Legends also, you know, uh, first author to pull over from Legends. Um, he was part of that transition, I think, from going from Legends to shaping what new canon was going to be. You know, we mm-hmm. had some of those crossovers with John Jackson Miller and James Luceno and Christy Golden. And again, like, I don't think that those people were chosen lightly. Um, I kind of think that they were always going to start pulling in new people um, to kind of really shape what... Uh, Star Wars books were going to look like going forward, but I think you needed those those few to make that transition over, um, get people who you know maybe were uh, not stuck in Legends, but really attached to Legends <laughs> to go. <laughs> I mean, there are those people who were very adamantly against like the end oh, of Legends, and you guys remember the billboards they would have in California. I try to forget it, but I can't. <laughs> but. The a bunch of books. It's fine. You're going to be fine. The thing is, like you, you still like the, that's your base that you're going you're going to be writing to um, to start out with. You know, like I think that they've broadened the base uh, with people like myself who didn't read all of Legends and felt kind of overwhelmed about jumping into it. Uh, that was a good starting off point for me. But I think bringing in um, those older authors to make that transition was really important and. So, yeah, I didn't see that coming again, but I think it's a really solid pick. Thank you. Nice job. All right, Drew, your number two pick, and why is it? I don't know. I got nothing. I'll I'll, I'll give you a space dollar if you can guess who I'm going to pick, because my next couple ones are, are definitely not well nailed down. I knew who I wanted first, and I knew who I wanted if I couldn't have Tessa Gratton. But from here, it starts to get a little bit amorphous. Um, So I think I'm going to have to go with... Oh, man, it's so hard. All right, I'm going to steal Matthew Stover. Oh, good pull. Nice. Because I can't believe none of you losers picked the Revenge of the Sith novelization before me. Um, He's on my list. He is on my list. I don't care for the novelizations in general. But that one's different. It's just flat out different, right? It's just telling a different story than the movie is telling, and I'm okay with that. Um, I think it's probably the most interesting of the novelizations, but honestly, the reason he stands out for me is he wrote one an entry of the New Jedi Order called Traitor. And Traitor is a story of Jason Solo, who is um, Han and Leia's son, uh, eldest son, um, and he's captured by the bad guys, and he's tortured by this character who may or may not have been a former Jedi. It's kind of hard to tell so it's a lot of philosophical force questions it's a lot about how do we use the force what is it for um it's a lot of questions about does it does this kind of action make you good versus evil or is that more an intention of the heart and so it's playing a lot with more about motivations than it is about telling like you know good guy fights bad guy good guy wins bad guy loses you know, it's 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 not nearly as straightforward a story as 
a lot of other entries in in the saga are, which is great because I feel like it's trying to tell us something different. And I need to go back and reread it. It's on my list of things I'd like to reread before the end of the calendar year because there are a couple entries in the New Jedi Order that just are so different from the rest of them, and and Matthew Stover's traitor is is chief among them. So, but you know, he also wrote Shatterpoint, which I finished reading not that long ago, which was another one that I had never read before. And people have recommended as really good in, in the past. And I mean, you can definitely tell he watched Heart of Darkness like a thousand times before writing <laughs> this text. It's basically the same story, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like it is, again, trying to do more than just tell an action story. He's trying to dive into the motivations of characters, draw parallels in the opposing forces to say, hey, look, you've kind of got options here, how you want to live your life. Which is it going to be? And he makes his characters uh, take tough decisions, you know, and make tough choices. And then he's forced, he forces them to live with the consequences. So, you know, Shatterpoint's been on my mind for a while. And any book that kind of sticks, sticks around in your brain months after you've read it, and not in a way that says, man, I hated that experience, it's got to be worth something. So if Charles Soule is going to kick off the galaxy, I want Matthew Stover there to help flush it out and give us some a little bit of the philosophy behind the ideas in our new galaxy. I really want them to bring him back to write some more stuff. Yeah. Yes, please. It would be nice. I mean, I do have to say, there is still Luke Skywalker in the Shadows of Mindor. So I wasn't going to talk about Ooh. what might possibly the most obnoxious <laughs> couple opening chapters I've ever read in Star Wars books. Yeah, that that book was but tough. But it's there. That book was tough. If if I you know I what? hadn't read <laughs> Revenge of the Sith, if I hadn't read Revenge of the Sith and Shatterpoint, it would have been it, it would have been completely off of my list. But <laughs> having read those two, Revenge of the Sith yeah. possibly being the best Star Wars novel of all time is yeah. It definitely gives them a lot more mileage than uh, Shadows of Mindor is ever going to yeah. afford anybody for anything. Absolutely. God, when I, that book, when it went from, it's not Shadows Pawn, it's Shadow Spawn or whatever it was. I was like, yeah. no, I quit. I'm uh, Goodbye. I put the book back down on the shelf and walked out of the bookstore. Said no more for me. It was too <laughs> late for me. I'd already bought it. Oh, no, you poor thing. I should go buy it. It's, it can't be more than like 25 cents, right? It's got to be pretty cheap by now. Probably. I mean... <laughs> I can just give you my copy next time we see each other. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. That would be hilarious. Not to crap on Matthew Stover. He is fantastic no, no, and no. a great, he, great pick. Number two on my pick. You're, yeah, I got to have him on my team. Yeah. And I like that idea of flushing out the characters more and things like that. Um, all right. So that sends it back to me. And yep. I wasn't going to move this pick this high. Or, um I really didn't expect to get all of the authors that the two authors that I've gotten so far. So I've got <laughs> the adult novels and YA novels covered. I've got the light side stuff and the dark side stuff covered. So the one gap I feel like I still have in my uh, team is the middle grade novels, which I think are, are really important um, because they, they bring in those younger readers and create new star Wars fans. So in a surprising turn for me, because she wasn't this high, but in a surprising turn for zero other people, I'm taking Justina <laughs> Ireland. Ah, yep. interesting. Yep. Um, I think she just has a great grasp of the it factor of Star Wars. Um, I think she could lead the entirety of the YA and young reader side of things. 
Uh, she has written a variety of Star Wars stories when you're looking at eras, characters, plots. And, and at the end of the day, like her books are just a lot of fun. And I think you need to be able to have fun when you're uh, reading a Star Wars book. And, you know, Delilah Dawson's books, while they're fun for me because I like pain, they're not like the funnest books. Um, yes, I just said funnest intentionally. Justina Ireland books are just a lot of fun. And um, they so are. My, my weakness with her was having only written YA and middle grade novels, but considering the fact that I've got the other two to really handle the adult novels and to handle it from different angles and dimensions, I would feel comfortable um, letting her stay in her lane and really um, bring angst to characters, but also make them a lot of fun. Um, I like that she focuses more on the internal conflicts of people than she does necessarily the big plot elements, uh, because I think that that gives us time to tell smaller stories that are uh, compelling uh, really important to these characters. And I think in this new era of Star Wars where we're getting constantly getting more and more stories, I think being able to tell those small stories becomes a very valuable skill. And she definitely has that um, in her, her wheelhouse. So Justina Ireland at number three for me. I'm sure you both had that on your bingo card. Yes. I was... It was not really one. I, I, I expected you to get, grab somebody else. I think there's still time for you. Okay. Okay. Well... Uh, well, I'll have to see if that is who I get or not in my last pick. I like that Devor and I have basically pre-planned what you were going to pick. Yeah. Yes. And then try to yes. build our lists around that. I have no idea what Devor is going to pick. I have zero idea <laughs> what he's going to go for now. Like, I feel with Drew, like Charles Sewell, safe bet. Um, mm-hmm. Matthew Stover makes sense, but I, I wouldn't have expected him to be that high on your list. With Devor, I've got nothing. I mean, he could... <laughs> come out and pick bilbo baggins and i'd be like yeah that makes perfect sense makes for this sense. list yeah it sounds reasonable well so, no one's written a history of the b1 battle droid yet so i don't really know where his, no. his dead go-tos are gonna be i mean we do have one author who wrote about a specific b1 battle droid still on the board <laughs> i don't think that's gonna make his list no conversation no, no. Last okay week. No. <laughs> there well, is time though devore there's time go ahead go you for could, it devore make your third you can, pick i have to start by apologizing to Drew, because I suspect this person is on his list. No, you're but not. But I got to take him. I, I, I did not think that I'd have this person available this late in the game. Uh-oh. So as far as my list goes right now, you know, we have, we, we've got, you know, the character storytelling and, you know, getting that POV with Tessa Gratton there. We've got the kind of big story, big in terms of scale and also time that James Luceno can do. That's also important, I think. But, you know, Star Wars is also action and adventure and excitement. Oh, Space no. battles. Oh, no. So my number three pick is Don't Alexander Freed. Dang, nap it. I think Drew I just, just finished threw the Rogue computer. One novels. <laughs> I finished the Rogue One novelization not too long ago, and he does such a great job in there, and also, of course, in Alphabet Squadron with these kind of team stories. You know, of looking at this group of people and their motivations and what's bringing them together. 
you know, what's uniting them, but also what's causing conflict among them, I think is really good. And then just, yeah, just like the exciting telling space battles, ground battles, all that kind of stuff. Like that's also really important to the heart of Star Wars. And so, yeah, sorry, Drew. I, I, I thought I thought you were going to take him already. I was shocked that you didn't already. So I was like, oh, my God, I got to take him now. I got to take him while he's still on the board. So, yes, so I'm taking Alexander Freed right now. <sighs> Alphabet Squadron might be the most solid trilogy of Star Wars books ever written. Like, all of them are high enough quality, and none of them dip. And Shadowfall, even though it's the second one, is probably the best out of all three. Like, Shadowfall rocked me a little bit when I read that one the first time. I couldn't believe how good I liked Shadowfall. Even when it gets weird towards the end. (laughs) Like, especially because it gets weird towards the end. Yeah. Who else has written a trilogy of books as, as that are as consistently good as yeah. Alphabet Squadron? I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. It takes a lot to get me to be invested in a story about starfighter pilots um, and space battles because reading those are is not my favorite experience. But damn if I wasn't invested <laughs> every single page. Like, uh, well, those books aren't about pilots, right? They're not about space battles, they're about people, and it's about their identities and who they are and what shapes them, what they allow to be shaped by. You know, it's 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 not they could have been told about workers at a fast food restaurant, and if it was the same kind of approach, it would have it would have sang just as well. Uh, th- those books are incredible, and I'm very, very mad at before. <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> now, this does mean you have to bring Twilight Company along with you for the ride, which is not my favorite book that he's ever written. That is the worst book in Star Wars canon. Oh, no, 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 no. Yes. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> what he did in the Rogue One novel, uh, specifically with Jin, was also amazing. Um, just yeah. breaking down her psychology and where she was at with uh, how she viewed Galen and um, kind of how she handled the trauma in her life. And I think that angle is where he becomes particularly important for you know a team of authors because he does handle PTSD, trauma, those kind of things um, in a in a way that is extremely respectful to like the people who go through those kinds of things, but also um, like it doesn't, it doesn't character or uh, caricature them. He, he really makes them real and um, builds an understanding about what people go through when they experience such traumas to where you almost kind of feel it yourself. And with mm. the way that star Wars stories are being told of late, where there is, there's definitely a lot of hope and, and stuff in the stories, all those things that make Star Wars, family, all of those positive elements. But I do feel like we've gotten a lot more of a sad Star Wars of late. Um, you look at things like Obi-Wan and stuff where you're really dealing with people facing their traumas. And uh, that could be an angle that he really brings to the table um, that would be extremely valuable, um, especially as we move into uh the end of after rise of skywalker um and you're you're looking at more characters who have gone through a war and what kind of things are they going to be experiencing because i think we're going to eventually 
you know, get more of those stories because uh, Empire Rebels era is kind of, you know, it's kind of done. I think most people are kind of like, okay, we can move on from there. But we don't want to just blow off, you know, what happened in the sequel trilogy and just continue on as if, you know, everything is fine for these characters that we care about so much in Ray, Finn, Poe, all of those people in the sequels that have both, you know, sustained Star Wars, brought in new Star Wars fans, all of those things. And, and he would be a trusted hand to to write even those major characters because of what he did with Jin combined with what he's done in his other books. Hmm. All right, Drew. Now you have to zag where he zigged. So, ah, uh, no, this might be the most predictable of all picks. Let me tell you what. All right, what you got? Once upon a time, there was a Star Wars book that was released, and this author had never written a Star Wars book before, and has I never knew written it. a Star Wars it. novel since. However, this person also did write an entry in the Return of the Jedi from a certain point of view about this singular most important character in the entire Star Wars saga. That's it. right, Wedge Antilles, hero of the Rebellion. Uh, his story penned by none other than Emma Mako Candon, who brought us the most perfect book of all time called Ronin. And I will fight all of you to the death defending that. It is the most interesting story. It is the most out-of-the-box story. And Dagnabbit, we're going to tell us some out-of-the-box stories going forward in this new canon. We're going to tell wild stories. We're going to reinvent terms. We're going to reappropriate things we're going to change up the meaning of everything you think good guys are good nah good guys are bad you think bad guys are bad yes they are bad but they're also good too ronin is the most important book of all time in the star wars universe it's just the best you're never going to beat it and i think that means we should give emma candon unlimited license to continue writing star wars stories from here until the end of time i mean Emma picks Wedge Antilles to write for. So if you're going to put Wedge Antilles in a story, this is how you do it. Others have tried to put Wedge Antilles in stories, and in the new canon, it just hasn't gone well for our poor hero of the Rebellion. So someone had to do him right, and that's when you hire Emma Candon. And Emma did a great job, and I want Emma to write every Star Wars book from now on. Now, in fairness, I have tried to read Emma's other book, The Archive Undying. It's tough. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I started and had to stop. Yeah, yeah, it has that effect on you. Because I just, you know, like, I, 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 I did not, not know I what was happening. <laughs> I, I, I got, what was it, like two hours in the audiobook. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I cannot tell you a plot point. And I that was me with Ronin, like very 200 different. pages in. It's very different. And if you're not prepared for the hard R rating on that book, it will also take you completely off guard. Um, but Ronin uh, has earned unlimited potential so i write anything you want and i will at least try it ronan took me ronan is amazing brandon you don't know how to read things you don't know how to read things (laughs) took me eight months of exclusively reading it yes i read that book as when we got like the the uh pre-release copy and then bought it the day it came out because i loved it so much no (laughs) i think my seven thousand word review is still available on our website if brandon hasn't taken it down yet Oh, I forgot about that. So good. It's so good. Like, everything means something. Like, even if you don't understand exactly what it means, by the end, you should be able to, if you're taking appropriate notes, Brandon. I wasn't taking appropriate notes. I Guys, let's, let's reread Ronin. Let's do it, like, right now. 
I don't even know. Oh, there it is. It's on the bottom <laughs> shelf. I was about uh, to say, you don't even know if you have a copy of it, do you? <laughs> I was like, I know I've got the the review copy they sent. I just don't know where I'm, it's at. It's on my bottom shelf with like the Thrawn books and stuff. So Does it have anything on it like that says it's a review copy? No. no. Oh, dang it. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. No, we get the... They, they send us the, the regular copies. The review copies are more the digital ones, which have a yeah, yeah, page yeah, yeah, yeah. in there, which is pretty it's pretty cool to see. You're like, oh, man, I get to see this Star Wars book early. So stay tuned I for more of that. At, I was shocked at how much I loved Ronin when it first came out. Like, I couldn't believe that it was written for me, you know? <laughs> like, it, it was so written awesome. only for you. Yes. Me and four other people on planet Earth, evidently, are the only ones who liked it. And you know what? That's okay. We are going to fight for it because it just was, it was amazing. It's so good. It's so good. Everything is good about it from top to bottom. All right. Well, that's pretty back safe to picking me. Emma because no one was going to pick Emma Canton. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that was never happening. Her. I know. I know. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could have waited till fourth and still picked her. So I thought about it, but I didn't want. It. There's a reason. Them. There's a reason. Um, all right. Go ahead. I know I'm who you're going to pick anyway. I know who you're going to pick, Brandon. Do you? Do you? I feel pretty good about it. All right. Then then go ahead. Who do you think? I think you're going to go with Christy Golden. Ooh, she is on my list, but I'm actually not. Oh, wow. Because I had to consider this is not just a my favorite author's list. That's so far true. it has been uh, <laughs> by by the circumstance of what everybody else has picked or not picked. But I'm going to snag somebody that hopefully uh will make devore upset because Ooh. his entry into the star wars canon uh is is one of if not the best in the past few years uh i'm taking mr mike chen oh, oh nice yeah he's not my fourth okay an All excellent right. pick uh I think you have you can just look at brotherhood and the brotherhood sh- short story in from a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi, and the way that he handles well-established characters, uh, the way that he develops dialogue and the relationships between characters is all really fantastic. Um, If you've ever listened to him talk, the passion he has for this galaxy is immense. Um, The knowledge he has of it is immense. And with the Brotherhood short story, Spoilers for that if you haven't read the from a certain point of view, but I think that you Uh-oh. this might actually no this might actually make you appreciate what the story is um, and, and make you want to go read it if you haven't already. He writes about the transition of Anakin from the corporeal world to the Force and becoming one with the Force. That is the hardest thing you could ever ask somebody to write about, <laughs> and not only did he exceed expectations he reshaped expectations he made it it was both so ethereal and so real and tangible it just absolutely blew my mind um so i i think he can take on if you can take on anakin and obi-wan and make it feel like they jumped out of the clone wars and attack of the clones at the same time um, you just made the whole transition from screen to page completely seamless. I think you can handle any of the Star Wars characters. So I think he would be a good pull to um, 
handle any already established characters. Um, I do wonder, since he has only the one entry, can he create his own compelling characters? Yeah. Um, but with That's a good question. with Claudia Gray, Delilah Dawson, and Justina Ireland um, all on my list, and knowing that they can do that, um, I think you you can play to his strengths if that is something that he's not capable of doing um, or not as strong at doing, and so he can handle your you know your your I would trust him to handle Luke and Leia and Ray and. Poe and Finn and, and all of these characters and take them off of the screen onto the page because of what he did with Anakin and Obi-Wan, not just once, but twice and, and handling a story that we never thought we would get. And it's interesting too, cause I heard him talking and he, you know, like he wanted to tell that story. He wanted to take on one of the biggest moments in star Wars that, you know, we just kind of never thought we would get because it's, I mean, it's a weird story to tell. And he's like, no, no, this is the story that I want to tell. So um, I love me some Mike Chen. I hope we get him back in the canon soon. He is my fourth pick of my team to write the future of canon. Nice. Bulls pick. Okay. Really got to read Brotherhood. Dude, it is so good. Yes, you do. Yeah, it's, I say this, I think every time we have an episode together, it's like, I really got to get to that book. <laughs> really, but really Rogue good. Planet. I got to read Rogue Planet. <laughs> I mean, take a break from Rogue Planet and read Brotherhood, because <laughs> you'll thank me later. With that said, Devor, it sounds like I did not snag um, one of your picks. So who is your fourth author in your canon team? All right. My final pick for the author draft. So far, you know, a, a part of Star Wars that has not yet come up among my authors or that I haven't really talked about. But it's an important part of Star Wars. And that's love. There's a lot of love stories in Star Wars. A lot of them, most of them, don't end very well. But it's there. Some of them do. But it's still very important. And I'm going to pick an author, the author, who has written two of my favorite Star Wars romance stories, two of my favorite couples that we've gotten in Star Wars. And that is right. My final draft pick is none other than Mr. Rita Cordova. Yeah. Author wow. of yeah. A Crash of Fate. Published in August of 2019 and read by so few of you people <laughs> that have to yell about it over and over again on podcasts. Go read it. But also the author of Convergence, and she gave us Ziri and Fontu. I had to hesitate for a second because the stupid Convergence cataclysm is there, and I'm like, oh, which one's which? She wrote Convergence. But yeah, she gave us Ziri Albaran and Fontu Zen and that story, and set that set up that kind of romance of that sort of like Romeo and Juliet as they're from these two, you know, warring families, well, really warring planets, but they find each other through kind of fate and circumstance and they fall in love and all of that. Like, and it's so good. And it just like, it, it, it hits something. And so, yeah, I'm going to put Zoraida there to, to give us that kind of, that heartfelt, the romance, the love, that stuff. <laughs> you old softy. Yes. I'm honestly looking back on it now. I'm surprised she wasn't higher on your list. She, she was going to be there. There were a couple. I, I wanted to make sure that I was going to get them because I did not think either of you were going to pick her. So I was like, I think this is a safe pick. I can wait. The other two, particularly like mm -hmm. Freed, I was worried about. So I was like, I yeah. need to get him. Lucena, I was like, eh, someone so. could take him. Um, so I, I wanted to make sure I kind of had those in the bag before I went with with Zoraida. 
It's just good pick. Really good pick. I'm still mad at you. <laughs> okay, so I get to round it out, huh? You do. You do. Who's All your right. fourth pick? If I get to round it out and I get to make the final pick in the draft, can I cheat? I mean, there were no pre-established rules other than four, so... There's a pretty big rule I'm going to break here. I'm going to break it anyway. When we look back at the stories that have been told in Star Wars, sometimes authors come in pairs. Sometimes it takes two people to tell entire stories. You're breaking the one rule that we had? (laughs) Good Lord. You just said there were no established rules, and I did caveat. I said, well, there is one pretty big important rule. But a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Aaron Alston and Michael Stackpole wrote the X-Wing series of books. And they're all good. Now, the problem is picking one of them over the other. And this is where I struggle, because Stackpole gave us I-Jedi, which gave us the story of Corrin Horn, the most interesting Jedi not from the Skywalker family in a long, long time. But Aaron Alston has a legacy to him as well. We talked earlier about, especially with like Charles Soule, who was the, the voice who kicked off the, the High Republic and kind of set things for it. Aaron Alston wrote the first century of the Legacy of the Force series and the Fate of the Jedi series. Now, I know those aren't the most popular or most exciting uh, series that people like to claim as their favorites or anything like that. But uh, I want to talk about Legacy of the Force real quick because that book series, nine-book series, after the New Jedi Order, kind of was where we really start to see something happen that hadn't happened in Star Wars in a long time is where the the real world political actions were starting to get attacked within the fiction. Um, The legacy of the force is starts off as a critique is kind of that Bush post nine 11 Patriot act era of where the government gets dark and evil really, really fast. And they take a lot of the themes that people were feeling in the real world and applying Star Wars characters over top of it. And maybe it was just because I was just the right age where I was finally able to see those kinds of things in the writing when it was came. Oh, oh, this guy's a Patriot Act kind of guy. Oh, okay. I see what we're doing here now. And that really kind of changed the way we were able to interpret and really appreciate the Star Wars universe. So if I have to get to pick only one guy, I'll have to pick Aaron Austin because he has such a depth of entries and they're all really good. You know, the way they kicked off um, the Fate of the Jedi series, you know, many, many years after Return of the Jedi had ended and and characters have come and gone, uh, loved ones have been lost, new families have been found, and we're telling a new era of story. The way in which they handle a, a galaxy that has been in constant conflict for 50 years and the impact that it has on these characters was really very interesting. So, you know, I love what Michael Stackpole did for, did for the X-Wing books and for iJedi especially. One of the very first times we get a um, first-person point of view, which is just a different way to tell a story. But if I want somebody who's going to have a, a long life and tell a lot of different stories over the course of the rest of our, our canon, you know, Charles Soule will kick it off. Matthew Stover can give us a lot of good insight into things. A mechanic can do whatever the heck they want, um, and it'll be perfect. But Aaron Alston, I think, is the workhorse. I think Alston is the one who is going to put out entry after entry after entry for the long haul, and is going to say, I'm going to tell you a story that's going to evolve over the years, but it's one that you're going to really want to stick along for the entirety of the ride. 
So if you're going to get mad about breaking your petty rules, then even though no one can pick anybody else after this one, that's what we're going to do. We're going to end with Aaron Alston as the 12th pick overall and the last one for the team. All right, so that rounds out your team. <laughs> I've got Claudia Gray, Delilah S. Dawson, Justina Ireland, and Mike Chen. DeVore has Tessa Gratton, James Luceno, Alexander Freed, Zoraida Cordova. And then, as Drew said, he has Charles Sewell, Matthew Stover, Emma Candon, and Aaron Alston. So three very different teams, <laughs> but looking at them... They are three very specific teams to us. They're, they're, they're all yes. on brand, as it were. Yes, very yes. much so. So uh, let us know who you guys would pick as your four authors to continue the Star Wars canon, to write the entirety of canon. Uh, tell us you know, why you guys like my list more than you like Devor and <laughs> Drew's list, because I'm the obvious winner here um, with the, the best uh, overall picks. Uh, so let us know what you think, and um, we will be here ready to listen, ready to talk to you guys, and ready to bring you more uh, awesome Star Wars discussions. This, like I said, is our second draft. We're definitely going to have to do some more of these, so if you have any suggestions on things you would like to see us put in a draft episode, let us know over on our Facebook group, uh, Star Wars Clashing Savers, or email us, clashingsaversnetwork at gmail.com. That's usually the easiest ways uh, to get in touch with us, but we're also on all of the socials um, at Clashing Sabers. And of course, you know, we're talking about books here. Got to talk about our Patreon, which supports our mission to put Star Wars books into classrooms across the country. Just shipped off a box of books today um, to nice. our first uh, group of pre K students, which is uh, wow. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, cool. So. Uh, got a variety of books in that box for for them um, as they continue to grow and evolve. And, and maybe the Star Wars book will be the first book they pick up and it'll change their life. And that can happen just uh, thanks to our amazing, amazing patrons. So all of that uh, is great. But DeVore, really people want to find you and follow you and where you're at. So tell them where they can find you. All right. If you want to follow me on X, you can do that at a larger view pod. You can also listen to me over on Space Swifties, a Star Wars and Taylor Swift podcast that I host with my wife, the one and only Meg Dowell. I feel like we should come up with a term, like a new term for following for X. Like, if you want to Z me on X, just make it oh, completely Lord. ridiculous. Save us all. Just totally make it go the other way than Elon thought it was going to go. He's like, I'm going to name it X. It's going to be cool. We're like, no, we're going to make it even cheesier than it already is. Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> It's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. It's a heck of an idea. You know what? No bad ideas in a brainstorm session. <laughs> but there is some dry land. So there is that. <laughs> Drew, if people want to hang out with you online and uh, see other things or tell you where, why they like Ronin so much, uh, where can they do that? Best place to do it is on the Facebook group, Star Wars Clashing Sabers. You can find me there. Um, trying to stir up some trouble, as always. And uh, always in oh, good trouble. Always good trouble. Always in good trouble and good fun is what we have over on our Facebook group, and and that's a space for you guys to share what you're uh, working on, what you're creating, also. Uh, so make sure you you let us know what you guys are doing because we want to follow and, and continue to build this amazing community uh, that we have over the past what six years that we've been doing this now. It's crazy. Oh my goodness, we're getting old, man. We're getting old oh, every day. What is not going to get old? 
is this outro though, because we're going to hold on to this for as <laughs> long as possible, and that is Batch 8. Hi ho. Hi ho. All Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of the Clashing Sabers Network and ClashingSabers.net. All licensed sounds and images are the property of their respective copyright holders and are used for informational and educational purposes only. For more information on our nonprofit or to nominate a teacher, go to ClashingSabers.net. For questions or inquiries, please email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. You're just going to walk away?